But we're glad that you're here this morning. If you would like to share the reading of the word that um, the Lord has laid upon my heart, I'm going to ask you to turn over to the book of 2 Samuel, 2 Samuel chapter 23, 2 Samuel chapter 23, and while you're turning there, I just want to say thank you, as has already been said uh, by my wife, we are so grateful for all of your gifts of appreciation, I feel like um, I am just the most blessed guy in the world to be able to be doing what I am doing, and I thank you and I thank the Lord, so thank you for your kindness. Second Samuel chapter 23, and I'm going to get, uh, begin reading with verse number 20. And the Bible says, And Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, the son of a valiant man, who had done many acts, he slew two lion-like men of Moab. He went down also and slew a lion in the midst of a pit in the time of snow. And he slew an Egyptian, a goodly man. And the Egyptian had a spear in his hand. And he went down to him with a staff, nothing but a club. He went down to him with a staff, and he plucked the spear out of the Egyptian's hand, and he slew him with his own spear. These things did Benaiah the son of Jehoiada, and had the name among three mighty men. He was more honorable than the thirty, but he attained not to the first. And listen to this last part. And David set him... Over his guard. David set him over the security team. Over his guard. If you'll bow your heads, we're going to just stop reading right there. And uh, pray the Lord help us in delivering the word this morning. Heavenly Father, we are thankful today for the opportunity that you have given to us to be in the house of God. We're thankful this morning, Lord, for the presence of the Lord that we have sensed and that we have felt as we have worshiped and as we have praised, and now we come to the reading of your word. And I would pray this morning, Heavenly Father, that you would anoint me with the anointing of your Holy Spirit. I pray that you will inspire what I speak. Put your mind in my mouth, in my mind, your heart, your words, Put them inside of me that I may deliver those to your people. Let Christ Jesus be glorified. Let the people of God be encouraged and edified. I can do nothing without you. But if you will anoint me and if you will make me an, an effective and able minister of your word, then I know your children will be blessed. These things we ask and we pray and we pray them in the mighty name of Jesus and everyone in agreement said amen. amen. So I want to title this morning what the Lord has placed upon my heart for the service, Lion Chasers. Lion Chasers. The text that we have shared is a bit of an obscure setting of scripture. It often is overlooked. 
And when we do read through the text, we generally do not stop to contemplate the magnitude of even what we read or what's being said. But let me today begin by just giving you some insight into the context of the verses that we've read this morning. 2 Samuel chapter 23 from verse number 1 to verse number 7. They are the final words of the great King David. From verse number 1 down to verse number 7 of 2 Samuel chapter 23, it records the, the last words that were spoken by the great king of Israel. And then the remainder of the chapter, it reads somewhat like an epitaph of the things that his mighty men that made up his security team and that stood by David's side throughout his lifetime and throughout his reign as king in Israel. And as we read it, it doesn't take us very long to discover that the mighty men that served with David, they were not the kind of men that would run from a fight. They were not the kind of men that would readily back down or readily give in, concede, or surrender. But they were, in essence, they were battle-trained, they were uh, battle-tested, and they were fierce. They were courageous, they were bold, they were audacious, and they were valiant men. They were, they were men that would fight and stand their ground. I would submit to you that some of the stories that we read about them are some of the most epic reading material, some of the most heroic stories that are in the entirety of the Word of God. Let me just give you a couple of examples. In verse number 8, Joshua was faced with the incredible odds of 800 to 1. 800 to 1. And he stood and he, he refused to back down and he refused to run. And the Bible said that all by himself he slew 800 men. That's a bad dude. Then in verse 10, we are told of Eliezer. The Bible tells us that there was a day that the Philistines had gathered themselves together to battle against the children of Israel, and everyone turned and fled. Everyone turned and fled except one man who stayed to fight, and that man was Eliezer. And the Bible tells us that instead of running away, that in verse number 10 it says, He arose and he attacked the Philistines. I mean, this guy wasn't waiting for them to bring the fight to him. He arose and he attacked them. And the Bible said that he, amen, he fought so long and so hard, amen, that, that the, the sword in his hand got stuck. In his hand, his, his fingers literally glued around the sword, froze around the sword. Imagine 
Imagine everybody turns and run. He picks up his sword and says, bless God, I ain't running. I am going to defend what God has given me. And he fights so long and so hard that the sword literally freezes up in his hand. Had to pry his fingers off of the sword. Then there was Shammah. Shammah, the Bible tells us in verse number 12, Shammah, the Bible says that the, the children of Israel, they would plant the, their harvest or their, or their seed and they would wait for the harvest. But just about the time they would get ready to harvest, the Philistines would come down and, and, and rob them of their harvest. Shammah had enough of it. In verse 12, the Bible says that Shammah stationed himself in the middle of a patch of peas or in the middle of a patch of lentils, in, the patch, in a patch of beans. And when everybody else fled, Shammah stood in the middle of that pea patch and said, I'm not going to give up my harvest and I'm not going to allow the enemy to take what God has given me. As we read through those chapters, we can see that they were, they were men that were willing to fight. They were men that weren't afraid to get into battle. They would not run. They would not surrender. They would not concede. They were mighty men of valor. And then we come to Benea. And that's where I want to pick up the story this morning. Benea. He was a valiant warrior of God. His name in the Hebrew means built of God. Built of God. And it implies that he was built for a purpose. It implies that he was built to fulfill a divine destiny. Scripture says that he did many heroic deeds. It's a very small story. It's a very short story that we read about him. But on one occasion, the Bible says that he killed two lion-like men of Moab. They were fierce and they were powerful and they were, they were strong, but Benaiah killed the both of them. And on another occasion... We're told that the arm, amen, armed only with a staff, only with a club. He attacks a, an Egyptian champion soldier and, and he, he take, who had a spear in his hand. Benea, all he had was a club. And he takes the spear out of the enemy's hand and slays the enemy with his own spear. But it is right in the middle of that story that I want to key in on this morning. Verse number 23. Or verse number 20. The Bible says, and he also, he also went down and slew a lion in the midst of a pit in a time of snow. Think about it for just a moment. Literally, deliberately, on purpose, he chases a lion into a pit in a time of snow and slays a lion. I don't know about you, but in my mind, that has to rank right up there with some of the craziest, most irrational, unreasonable acts of courage that I've ever read about. 
In fact, some folks might even call it foolish faith. Chasing a lion into a pit or a slippery pit, a slippery surface, could be considered borderline tempting God. Can you say amen? You're tempting fate. But his, he displayed a crazy, irrational kind of faith that we are left to ponder the word why. I might also point out that we're left to ponder the circumstances that surrounded the whole event. We don't know why or where Benaiah was going when he crossed paths with the lion. We don't know why. We don't know why he felt like that he had to kill the beast. We're not told. We're, we're not told whether he was armed with a knife, a spear, a sword, or if he had his faithful club with him. We don't know. But here's what we do know. Normal people don't chase lions. Am I preaching the truth? Normal people, when they cross paths with a lion, they run the other way. Normal people do not chase lions on a snowy day where they could easily slip, fall, and become an easy victim. And normal people sure don't follow a lion into a pit where there is no way out. I submit to you that Benaiah was not a normal person. In fact, I would dare say that when normal people encounter a lion, amen, when a lion turns and goes the other way and goes down into a pit, then we would sigh a heavy sigh of relief and thank God that we were still breathing. Right? Psychologists tell us that as human beings, we... Uh, we have two normal reactions when we are frightened. We do one of two things. We either fight or flee. We either fight or flee. We either engage or we run. When God began to put this word upon my heart this past week, and it being trick-or-treat October, you know, Halloween, I, I couldn't help but remember my reaction when I was just a small little boy when I got frightened. I remember I was about probably second, third grade. We had gone trick-or-treating with my brother and my sister and three of my cousins. And back then, you know, the real ghoulish thing was to put a pumpkin out in the, by the front door with a candle in it so that it lit up. And, and then they would hang like a paper spider, you know, up by the door. And that was, that was about it. That stuff didn't bother me too much, Right? Not too moved. That's not that scary. No problem. But I remember I'm about eight, maybe nine years old. And we came to this one house that sat on a corner. The lights were not all on brightly. They had their lights very, very dim. It was a corner lot. We walked down this side, around the front, and then up the walk. And I remember the lights are very low and the whole way that we're walking down alongside the house, they had this spooky music playing. And there was a little shack right out on the front lawn and the door on that little shack kept flopping open and, and, and moving. And I was like, oh my God. 
I mean, you know, the paper spider and some of that stuff, that didn't bother me. But the closer we got to that house, and I had a long way to think about it. And, and the closer that we got, I mean, you know, there was all this ghoulish music and all these wacky sounds. And I could feel the hair on the back of my neck start to stand up. I'm like, Phew. but I'm like, okay, I'm with people. It's all good. There are strength in numbers. <laughs> Whatever is up there, we'll get one of them before it gets me. <laughs> right? So all of us, we hit up the walkway and we are headed toward the front door. And, and, and there's like the, the sound of a howling wind and all this ghostly sound, all this scary stuff. And, and I'm making my way. And all of a sudden, out of that little shack on the front lawn, the door flew open and this thing came flying out of there hands waving in the air and screaming to the top of her lungs. And everybody ran but me. And, and not because I wasn't frightened. I was scared speechless. And I didn't know what it was. I didn't know if it was a man, woman, or a devil from hell or what it was, but it was right in my face before I could even think about it. And the only thought that crossed my mind was swing. <laughs> and I swung. And I hit that poor woman right in the nose. <laughs> and needless to say, if you bloody a woman's nose on her front lawn, you ain't getting candy. <laughs> How did that happen? <laughs> In fact, we got about three, four houses down, and we knocked on the door. You know, we're like, trick or treat. And the woman that I had just encountered, she was like, that's him. That's the one that hit me right there. <laughs> she had went down to the neighbor's house. But I, what I'm saying is, I mean, our, our, our natural response is that we either flee or we fight. We either flee or we fight. Imagine, if you will, that you are Benea and you come across a beast that weighs 500 pounds and can run 35 miles an hour that has teeth the size of your finger and claws that you know will rip you to shreds. And you are going to chase him into a pit? That's pretty wild. That's pretty crazy. Amen. I don't know in a situation like that if you flee, if you fight, or just piddle in your pocket. <laughs> I'm just being honest. But the Bible says that Benaiah chased after that lion. He chased after him. And you've got to admit, if you are handing in an application to become the, the, the head of the king's security, that looks pretty good on your resume. I mean, if you're handing in an application to become the king's uh, head guy over the whole guard, over the whole 30, that looks pretty good on your resume. I chased a lion. 
Well, let me just remind you who else chased and killed a lion. King David. And when David, when David saw, no doubt, that resume, he was like, I know I'm a kindred spirit with this guy. I know this guy. This guy has to trust in the Lord. This guy has to have his trust in God. He chose him to be the head of his guard. The Bible said in verse number 23 that Benaiah was more honorable than them all, than, than the 30, and David sat him over his guard. In other words, Benaiah became the second most powerful person in the entire kingdom of Israel. He became, I mean, he was David's personal bodyguard. And you could trace it all right back to this flee or fight moment in his life. Benaiah unlocked his future and his calling by not being afraid to face his fears. He opened his future and he released his destiny by chasing a lion. He unlocked and unchained his divine purpose by chasing down the roar of a lion. He released himself to walk in the path that God had ordained for him to travel. All because he was willing to face his fear and attack it. All because he was willing not to flee but to fight. That was a pivotal moment. When that lion roared and Benaiah chased that lion into a pit, that was a pivotal moment in his life. It was a moment that literally unlocked the plan that God had for him. He became the second most powerful person in the kingdom of Israel. Amen. And it could be traced back to that very moment. Pastor Gary what does any of that have to do with us? 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse number 8. And this is what the scripture says. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, your adversary the devil as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. Amen. Be sober and be vigilant because your adversary, the enemy, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And then the, the ninth verse says, Whom resist steadfast in faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are accomplished in you. What I'm saying this morning and what we need to understand is that each one of us is going to face the roar of a lion. Each one of us are going to face the roar of a lion and we are either going to do one of two things. We are either going to cower or we're going to fight. We are either going to cower or we're going to attack. And I came to tell you this morning, when you hear the roar of a lion, amen, the roar of the enemy, then chase that lion and pull his teeth out. Mm. Because our adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. Whom steadfast in faith, 
Resist steadfast in faith, knowing that the same afflictions that are accomplished in you are accomplished in others. He's saying that everyone, he is saying that everyone faces the same kind of fears. He's saying that everyone faces the same kind of doubts. He's saying that every one of us face the, the same type of struggles and the same kinds of conflicts. And every one of us at some point or another are going to hear the roar of our enemy. We're going to hear the roar of the lion. And we're either going to be a coward and fearing the enemy or we're going to be a lion chaser and be an overcomer. The truth is that we are instructed to be sober. We are to be thoughtful, attentive, and observant. We are to be mindful of the enemy's tactics. We are instructed to be vigilant and watchful and focused. Amen. Because we will all face our own lions. What kind of lions are you talking about, preacher? How about the lion of condemnation? Have you ever had the enemy just come roaring into your life and telling you that you are not good enough and that you will never measure up and that you have been a failure? You'll always be a failure. Let me tell you, the devil is a liar. Amen. When the enemy roars, you're either going to cower or you're going to rise up in the power and the anointing of a God that loves you. Amen. And you'll fight for your life and slay your fears. Mm. Hallelujah. How about the, the roar of broken relationships and shattered dreams? How about the roar of, of inferiority and insecurity? How about the roar of inability and sin and sickness? Let me just tell you this morning that the truth is if we are ever going to walk in complete victory in our lives, if we are ever going to fulfill the destiny that God has called us to fulfill, and if we are ever going to walk into our divine purpose that God wants us to walk in, then the truth is we are going to have to confront our fears. We are going to have to confront our Roaring lion. Hmm. The truth is, amen, we are going to have to challenge our fears or we will abandon our destiny. We are going to have to, amen, challenge our anxieties and our uncertainties or we will abandon our potential. I am preaching to somebody this morning. Amen. The truth is we are going to have to tackle our reservations and our uncertainties uh, or we are going to abandon our opportunities. Uh, the enemy is going to come out against us. Uh, amen. He's going to roar. But I'm telling you this morning, you got to have some crazy faith uh, that says, I believe God. Uh, amen. And I'm going to face my fears. Uh, I know in whom I have believed uh, and I believe that he's able to keep that which I commit unto him against that day. The truth is that we are either going to flee or we are going to swing. The truth is we are either going to flee 
Oh, we are going to fight. We are either going to run from our fears or we are going to run toward the roar. Hello? Amen. We are either going to let our fears dictate our decisions or we're going to live by faith and not by sight. Amen. The truth is we are either going to run from the roar or we are going to chase our lion into the pit. I don't know what kind of roar that you hear from your lion this morning. And I don't know what kind of lie that the enemy has tried to convince you to believe. But I will tell you this morning that the Holy Ghost sent me here. Amen. To tell you do not let your fear dictate your decisions. And do not allow your fears to dictate the quality of your future. God has a destiny for you to walk into. And all you've got to do is face your fear and face your lion in the anointing of God's power. And God will subdue your lion. There is always going to be a moment. Some of you are at that moment right now. There is always going to be a moment when we are going to have to make up our mind. We are going to flee or we are going to fight. We are going to flee or we are going to fight. There's going to be a moment when the enemy roars and we're going to have to decide, are we going to surrender or attack? Hmm. I came to tell you this morning, don't run away from what you are afraid of, but face it down, not in your might, not in your power, but in the strength and in the anointing of a living God that loves you. Don't, don't allow the enemy to uh, 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 cause you to live and dwell in fear. Don't allow fear to dictate your decisions. Fight for your dream that God has put in your heart and run the amen and run to the roar and chase that lion. Fight for your children and your grandchildren. Fight for the impossible situation to turn around. Stop pointing out the problems and let God become a part of the solution. Hello? Stop running to God and telling God how big your mountains are and start running to your mountains and tell your mountains how big your God is. Hallelujah. Stop repeating your past and start allowing God to create a new future for you in your life. Amen. Face your fears. Fight for your dreams. Uh, grab a hold of that mane and hang on for dear life. Uh, amen. Grab a hold of opportunity and don't let go. Quit holding out. Uh, quit holding back uh, and quit running away. Chase your lion. True bravery is in fear. Or true bravery is not, uh, not about not having fear. True bravery is when you're shaking in your boots and you move forward anyway. Hello? Hey Amen. I tell you this morning. The lion roars for two, two reasons. Number one. The lion roars for two reasons. Number one. First, he roars to complain or to claim his territory or claim that he is king 
in that territory. That's why the lion roars. He roars so that everybody, they say a lion's roar can be heard up to five miles. That's a pretty powerful roar. But he, claim, he, he, he roars so that he can claim his territory. Second, he, he roars so that he can put fear into the, the heart of everything that hears him. And it works. It works. Again, let me remind you, 1 Peter 5, 8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, amen, roars like a roaring lion, walking about, seeking whom he may devour. The devil is walking about on earth, roaring like a lion, attempting to put fear in the hearts of God's people so that he can continue to exercise his dominion in the very territory that God said belongs to you. The devil is hoping that the roar will chase you away from pursuing what God has for you in your life. That calling, that dream, that destiny, that blessing, that career, everything that God wants to put. He roars so he can create fear in your life. 2 Timothy chapter, chapter 1 and verse uh, number 7. This is what God's word said. God has not. Everybody say, has not. He didn't. He didn't. God has not given us the spirit of fear. What has he given us? He meant he has given us the spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. 1 John chapter 4 and 4, the Bible says these words, Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Start acting like it. Start acting like it. I know it may sound foolish. I know it may sound, uh, amen, uh, seemingly foolish, but chase your lion. Real faith is often, amen, willing to look foolish. Uh, let me tell you something this morning. Uh, a God-sized dream uh, will always be beyond our ability. Uh, a God-sized dream uh, will always be beyond our logic. Uh, a God-sized dream uh, will always be beyond our our resources. It'll be, amen, it'll be something that requires a foolish faith on our part. Amen. Because, amen, that kind of faith says if God doesn't do it, then it cannot be done. And that's what God operates in. And you know why? Because when God comes through, He's the one that gets the glory for it. Amen. He gets the credit. What I'm telling you this morning is we need to have a foolish faith that says, I believe God in spite of the roar of my lion. I refuse to allow my life to be dominated by fear. I refuse to allow the enemy from keeping me to enter into every bit of the territory that God intends for me to have all because of his roar. Real faith, real faith often looks foolish. Let me give you some examples. Noah looked foolish building an ark. Sarah looked foolish buying maternity clothes at age 99. David looked pretty foolish facing a giant on a battlefield with nothing but a sling. 
Benaiah looked foolish chasing a lion. The three wise men looked foolish chasing a star. Peter looked foolish getting out of the boat. Hello? But real faith is willing to look foolish, and the results speak for themselves. Noah was saved from the flood. Sarah gave birth to Isaac. David defeated Goliath. The wise men found the Messiah, and Peter walked on water. I said, you got to have a foolish kind of faith. That's what God operates in. Chase your lion down this morning. It may look foolish to the world, but go ahead and look foolish. God will give you the victory. Keep your trust in the Lord and slay your fears. Don't allow fear to slay your faith. I read an article sometime back, and I'm going to close. I read an article sometime back about how lions hunt. And you would think that the male lion with that big mane and that ferocious roar is the one you got to look out for. He's not. He's all bark and no bite. It's the women you got to look out for. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to start no trouble or anything like that. Don't nobody elbow your spouse or anything. Just look straight ahead. <laughs> yes, it's the female lions that do all the hunting. They work together. The male lion plays a bit of a part in it, but he's not the one that brings down the prey. They work in a pride. They're the, the pack, they call it a pride. They work in a pride. Here's how they operate. The female lions all come up behind the prey. And they don't have that big shaggy mane, you know, to be seen. They're sleek. They're easily hid in the tall grass. And they just find themselves a place to lay down and wait. And the male lion walks around and gets right out in front of the prey makes himself seen, and makes himself heard for five miles with a roar. And anything that is standing near that male lion, it don't run toward the roar. It runs the other way. But what it don't know is it's running right in to its death because the female lions are back there waiting for the prey to come to them. Let me tell you something this morning. The enemy as a roaring lion walks about seeking whom he may devour. Don't run from your fear. You will be playing right in to the tactic of the lion. You'll be running right into death. What kind of death are you talking about? I'm talking about a symbolic death. I'm talking about the death of your dreams. The death of the things that God wanted you to inherit. The things that God wanted you to enjoy. The places that God wanted you to conquer. You'll never conquer them because of your fear. And the, the animals run right in to the female lions. Amen. In other words, their instincts lead them wrong. 
going with their gut is the big, biggest mistake of their life. And, the, and I'm just here to tell you this morning, we need to override our emotions and have faith in God, trust in him. When we feel that panicky fight or flight sensation, instead of running the opposite way, recognize who is by your side and who said, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. Do you remember the story about David facing Goliath? Do you remember how that went down? David walks out there in front of that big giant who had intimidated the children of God for 40 days and 40 nights. He's only armed with a shepherd's sling and five rocks. That's it. And here's, here's what Goliath said to them. You come to me? Am I a dog that you would come to me with a stick and staves? Send me a man. Send me a warrior that we may fight. David, the Bible said, looked at him and said, you come to me with a shield and a spear and a sword, but I come to you in the name of the Lord. Amen. My strength is not in my, sh my shield. My strength is not in my sword. My strength is in God. And he will deliver you into my hand. And the giant said, come on. Today I'm going to feed your flesh to the fowls of the air and the wild beasts of the field. David said, I haven't read that book. You got it wrong. <laughs> Today I will feed your flesh to the fowls of the air and the wild beasts of the field. And the Bible said that when David said those words, he made haste and he ran toward the giant. He ran toward the giant. Don't run from your fears. Run toward your lion. Chase down your lion. Amen. Chase down your lion. If you want, amen, to catch a great catch, then we have to launch out into the deep. If you want to walk on water, you got to be willing to face your fears and get out of the boat. If you want a miracle in your life, then you're going to have to experience need. Don't be surprised, amen, when need comes into your life. But just thank God that he'll be there for it. Your lion, your, li your roaring lion is your opportunity for God to give you a miracle. When Benaiah saw that lion Face to face in the pit, he didn't see a 500-pound problem. He saw a lion skin hanging in his tent. I'm here to tell you this morning, your situation, your problem is an opportunity for God if you will chase down your lion. Bow your heads, please, and let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you that you are a God that is mindful of every need and every life and every situation. Father, I thank you that you would like to give us victory over our fears. That you are a God that does not want us to live in a state of fear, but that you are a God who has given us the spirit of love and power and a sound mind. I thank you, Lord, that you will give us victory over our roaring lions. Help us to face our challenges. 
Help us to face our situations and our needs head on. Not in our strength, not in our ability, but in the might and the power of our God. For nothing is impossible with you. Help us to recognize that we must not allow fear to dictate our decisions. We must not allow fear to form our future opportunities. But help us to resolutely have a confidence and a faith in our God. Every individual here this morning, Heavenly Father, that is hearing the roar of their lion, help them to rise up like Benaiah. Chase that fear into a pit and subdue it. In Jesus' name I pray. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Are you here this morning and you would be willing to slip up your hand and say, Pastor Gary, I hear the roar of my lion, but today, today, I'm taking charge of that fear. Amen. Hands, today, right now, today, I'm going to face that fear. I'm the overcomer through Christ. I hear the roar of my lion, but I refuse to allow my lion to have the territory that God said was mine. Anybody else, you won't slip up your hand and say, Lord, that's me today. Today, God sees some hands. Yes, yes, yes. Stand to your feet all over the building this morning. Stand to your feet all over the building this morning. Let me pray with those that lifted their hands. Father, you saw every hand. God, you know behind every fearful thing the enemy tries to throw at us is an enemy that was destroyed on Calvary. He has no power over the children of God through Christ. Help us this morning to rise up in the anointing of God, in the spirit of God, and in the word of God and take authority over those nasty fears. I'm tired of running. I'm tired of worrying. I'm tired of the anxiety. I'm tired of all of the frustration. Lord, I just give it to you right now. Right now, I face all of those fears. And God, I, I may be foolish, but I believe that you are going to make me an overcomer. I'm going to put, I'm going to have some foolish looking faith and just trust you for the outcome. I refuse to allow fear to dictate my decisions in my life. Touch every hand. Touch every heart in this place. Touch those that listen by way of the internet. Touch those. I pray this morning. Strengthen them. Let them rise up in the strength and the valor of a warrior. 
and give them victory in Jesus' name. Give them victory in Jesus' name. Amen. Come and sing.